Well, again, let me say good morning. It's good to be with you this morning. I am just so appreciative of this opportunity. My family and I have enjoyed so much being with you, getting to meet you and know you, and it's just been a, a wonderful opportunity for us. We've been encouraged and prayerfully in some way by the lessons that have been presented. You've been encouraged as well. Encourage you to take out your Bibles, follow along with me this morning. Nothing groundbreaking this morning. Things that you've heard before, maybe at different times, but things that we need to be reminded of. One of the jobs, of course, of a preacher of the Word is to remind brethren of things that they may already know, just to make sure that we don't forget those things which are of great importance. In John chapter 8 and verse 32, Jesus said, And you shall know the truth. And the truth shall make you free. In order to be free, free from sin, free in God, to have a home eternal in heaven, it is fundamental, absolutely essential, that we know the truth. Yet as we look around us today in the religious world, there are a lot of so-called truths being presented that differ from one another. And so for a few moments this morning, I want you to consider with me the idea of determining truth. How do we determine truth? How do we know what is right and what is wrong? There are some false standards that people use, and then there is a true standard that we will consider at the end of our study together this morning. But we want to talk about determining truth because unless we know how to truly determine truth from God... We'll never be those who are free. We'll never be right with God. We'll never have that hope of eternal life with Him, nor will we receive that reward in the end. So as we start from the negative this morning, let me suggest to you a number of things that truth is not determined by. The first thing I want you to know with me is that truth is not determined by the wisdom of men. Yet you wouldn't know that when you listen to people. And unfortunately, I'm sad to say, sometimes even brethren, I'm disappointed when I go to a gospel meeting and I hear someone who claims to be a gospel preacher will get up from the pulpit and they'll quote Max Licato and Charles Stanley. I even heard one quote Dave Ramsey all through the sermon instead of Peter and John and Paul. And the idea that truth rests in the wisdom and in the words of men instead of the words of the Holy Spirit that were revealed through men. But maybe you don't ascribe to those things, but let me say something a little bit closer to home. Sometimes some brethren get the attitude, well, brother so-and-so said this or said that. In fact, I had one person send me an email about, it's interesting, brethren, about somebody that we were having for a gospel meeting, and he had an issue with them, and he said, well, listen, he said, I preach this different than they do, and so-and-so preaches this different than they do, and the elders of this church in Tennessee, they teach something different than he did. Guess what my response was? So what? I don't care. We need to appreciate that just because even some well-respected brother says something does not make it true. That would be simply rooted in the wisdom of men. Over in Proverbs 14 and verse 12, we read these words of the wise man when Solomon said, There is a way that seems right to a man, but the end thereof are the ways of death. Here's the reality. If you and I follow the wisdom of men, what men think in their wisdom, in their thoughts, their ideas... We are bound on a path that will lead us to eternal death. Our faith, our understanding of truth 
cannot rest in the wisdom of men. In 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verses 4 and 5, Paul put it this way in regard to his preaching and teaching. 1 Corinthians 2, verses 4 and 5, he said, And my speech and my preaching were not with persuasive words of human wisdom, but in demonstration of the Spirit and of power, that your faith should not stand in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. Notice that our faith should not stand in the wisdom of men. Instead, our faith must stand in the power of God. That's where it has to be. And no matter how wise or how educated someone may seem to be, no matter how many letters they have after their name when they write it properly because of all the degrees they have, that does not make them right just because they have said it. We cannot stand in the wisdom of men when it comes to establishing truth, what we must do and what we must not do. A respected man's thoughts do not dictate any truth. The next thing I want you to know with me, and this is to leave a little closer, is that truth is not determined by your opinion. Now, sometimes people say, well, I know that that person, they don't establish truth, but when it comes to themselves and what they think and what they feel about something, their opinion on it, it determines truth. And a lot of people follow that God today. Have you ever been talking to somebody, and it's usually in religious matters, but also I've seen it in others, where they say something like this, well, that may be your truth, but my truth is different than that. As if there are two different kinds of truth. But what they're saying is they're saying, essentially, your opinion has established your truth, but my opinion is different and it establishes truth for me. Truth does not work that way, does it? You know, a simple illustration, 2 plus 2 equals what? Equals 4, right? Now, I don't know, there may be some kind of advanced math that I don't understand. You probably know, but there may be some kind of advanced math I don't understand where 2 plus 2 doesn't equal 4. But the truth is, as far as I know, 2 plus 2 equals 4. Now, what if I said my opinion is that 2 plus 2 equals 8? What do you think about that? You think I'm crazy. You'll say, well, it doesn't matter if that's your opinion or not, because that's not the truth. You take two of one thing, you take two of another, you put them together, you have four. That is the truth, and it doesn't matter how you may feel about it. It doesn't matter what your opinion may be about it. That does not establish truth. Well, just as my opinion does not establish truth in math, with two plus two equaling four, my opinion and your opinion does not establish truth when it comes to the things which God would have us to do and reveal to us in His Word. In Jeremiah chapter 10 and verse 23, Jeremiah said this, There is a way that seems right unto a man. Rather, we read that just a moment ago. He said, O Lord, I know that the way of man is not in himself. It is not in man that walks to direct his steps. The way that I ought to live in this life, the truth that I ought to follow, is not found within me. That is, it is not in my capability to determine the way that I ought to walk, what is right, what is wrong, what is true, and what is false. That is not within my power. I need guidance from someone else to direct my steps. Paul's a good example of this in Acts chapter 26 and verse 9. Acts 26 and verse 9, as he recounted his life prior to his conversion, he said, indeed, I thought within myself. This was his thought. 
that I ought to do many things contrary to the name of Jesus Christ. Now, let me ask you a question. Was Paul right in following the truth when he persecuted Christians, shut them up in prison, when he cast his vote against them when they were put to death, when he sought to destroy the church and he made havoc of it? Was he right in those things? Was he following the truth? No. But if you would have asked Paul, because that was his thought, are you doing what's true and are you doing what's right? What would he have said? Probably, yes, I'm following the truth. But just as his thought about what he was doing did not make it true and correct, your thoughts and my thoughts about what we are doing does not make them correct. Now, this may be a humbling idea, but it is something I need to recognize and you need to recognize that our thoughts and our opinions do not dictate one iota of truth. Because truth is not determined by your opinion on a subject. But the third thing I want you to consider with me that sometimes you hear when it comes to truth. So I want you to understand that truth is not determined by how something makes you feel. A lot of people use that as a standard of truth, whether it's right or whether it's wrong. I've had people tell me when you have religious discussions with them, well, I feel like this is what God would want me to do. As if their feeling determined whether the thing was correct or whether it was false. And then I also, particularly in one subject, marriage, divorce, and remarriage, you often hear this. They say, I feel like God would want me to be happy. And because I think this is going to make me happy, then it must be all right for me to do it. It must be true that I can do this and it be, and it be right. Let me tell you that how something makes you feel, if it makes you feel all warm and fuzzy on the inside, makes you feel good about yourself or good about the situation, that does not mean that it is true or that it is correct in that. And we are surrounded by a lot of feel-good doctrines. The idea that there is no eternal punishment, that there is no hell. God loves you too much. He'd never send anyone to an eternity in hell. That just wouldn't happen. That makes people feel good because they think there's no consequence of their sin. The doctrine of faith only is a doctrine that makes people feel good. That as long as the words Jesus Christ pass through somebody's lips, that they're saved eternally, that makes people feel good. In fact, the discipline of the Methodist Church says that the doctrine of faith only is wholesome and full of much comfort. That means it makes you feel good when you hear it and when you believe it. We can go on with the false teachings about marriage, divorce, and remarriage that makes people in wrong situations feel good about the situation that they're in. But those things, even though they may make people feel good, are not true just because of the way that they make you feel. I want you to notice some things that truth does with me. First, look at John chapter 16 and verse 8. In John chapter 16 and verse 8, Jesus speaks of the comfort of the Holy Spirit. He said, and when he has come, watch this, he will convict the world of sin and of righteousness and of judgment. Does it feel good to be convicted of sin? Doesn't, does it? But yet, that's what the Holy Spirit, the comforter, the one who would bring the truth, would do. He would convict people of their sin. In Acts chapter 2, when the gospel is preached in its fullness for the first time on the day of Pentecost, in verse 37 it says this, Now when they heard this, that is the message of the Christ, that they had crucified by wicked hands and slain, 
It says that when they heard this, they were pricked in their heart or cut to the heart. Does that mean they felt good about what they heard? No, it means the opposite. Actually, I know the idea of cutting to the heart means it cut them deep. But I like the idea of being pricked in their heart. Have you ever been pricked with something, poked with something sharp? It hurts. And when they heard the truth that was preached that day, it hurt them. It cut them to the heart. It pricked their heart. In 2 Corinthians chapter 7, verses 8 through 10. 2 Corinthians 7, 8 through 10, Paul writes to the church of Corinth and notice what he says to them concerning the truth that he did write to them. 2 Corinthians chapter 7, verses 8 and 10. Paul said, For even if I made you sorry with my letter, I do not regret it, though I did regret it, for I perceive that the same epistle made you sorry, though only for a little while. Now I rejoice not that you were made sorry, but that your sorrow led to repentance, for you were made sorry in a godly manner, that you might suffer loss from us in nothing. When Paul spoke the truth to them, did it make them feel good? Make them feel warm and fuzzy on the inside? Oh, that has to be right because of how it makes me feel, how good it makes me feel? No. Paul said the things that I wrote to you made you sorry. They made you sorrowful. Now I'm not saying, by the way, that everything that is truth has to make you sorrowful or has to cut to the heart or has to convict you. But what I am saying is that truth does not always make you feel good. Truth does not always give you that nice, warm, comfortable feeling when you hear it. Truth sometimes hurts when you hear it. And so this idea that because something makes me feel good means that it must be true is not so because the feeling you get from something does not determine its truthfulness. The fourth thing I want you to consider with me is that truth is not determined by how many people agree with you. Sometimes you'll talk about something of religious nature with someone and they'll talk about the group that they're a part of and they'll say, how can all these people be wrong? I've had people tell me that on various subjects before, but one of the most common, I think, is the doctrine of faith only, that one is saved by faith alone, separate and apart from any works. People teach that. And when I talk to them about it and I point out the truth about the thing, they'll say, well, you know, the majority of the religious world believes that. How can all these people be wrong? As if the number of people that agree with something makes it correct. The idea that there is somehow or another safety in numbers. We need to appreciate that the majority or crowd does not determine the truth. In Exodus chapter 23 and verse 5. Exodus 23 and verse 2 rather. God told his people of old, you shall not follow a crowd to do evil, nor shall you testify in a dispute so as turn aside many to pervert justice. But notice that. You shall not follow a crowd to do evil. We say things similar to that, don't we? At least to our children, or maybe this was said to you, we talk about how the majority of people or how many people agree with something does not make it right. Maybe they're in school or younger and we say, if everybody else jumped off a bridge, how's the rest of that go? Would you? Right? The idea that just because a lot of people believe something or are doing something does not make it right. So it is when it comes to truth. 
We may be following the majority of people who agree with what is being said. Nevertheless, we may be following them even as God says in doing evil. The reality is this. That if there is something that the majority of people agree with, it perhaps is not true and most likely is not true. In Matthew 7, verses 13 and 14, I know this from the words of Jesus. Matthew 7, 13 and 14. Notice what Jesus said. He counsels, enter at the straight gate. For wide is the gate and broad is the way that leads to destruction. Watch this. And many there be which go in thereat. But straight is the gate and narrow is the way which leads unto life. You know how that verse ends, don't you? And few there be that find it. The way of truth that leads to eternal life is the way of the few. And so we need to recognize that just because a lot of people agree with something that is said or something that is taught does not make it true for in truth. And this is a sad truth, but nevertheless, it is truth that the majority of people will be lost. Galatians chapter 1. Turn there with me. Notice the words of the Apostle Paul. In Galatians chapter 1, I want you to notice verses 9 and 10, what Paul says. Galatians 1, 9 and 10. Paul said, as we have said before, so now I say again, if anyone preaches any other gospel to you, then that which you have received, let him be accursed. For do I now persuade men, or do I seek to please men? For if I still pleased men, watch this, I would not be a bondservant of Christ. Now, that doesn't mean that everybody's going to disagree with our teaching, but Paul's point is this, that if he still pleased men in the things that he taught, that if he pleased everything by the things that he taught, he wouldn't be serving who? He wouldn't be a bondservant of Christ. If you are teaching things and everything that you teach or everything that you talk to somebody about or everything that you believe, it seems like everybody believes it. You might need to check that because it just may not be so. Truth is not determined by how many people agree with something. But here's another thing I want you to know with me is that truth is not determined by how many people obey what is being taught. Sometimes people say, well, just look at the results. Just look at the results. It must be. It must be true. You know, there's a, a church where I'm from, and they have hundreds, probably actually over a thousand members at this particular place. And I had somebody, when I was talking to them about that, they said, well, just look at the results of what we're doing. How could this be wrong? It must be true. Look at, look at how many people we have. Look at how many people are doing what we're saying. All these people have obeyed it. All these people have done what we're saying. And we must be doing something right. It must be true. But we need to recognize that just because someone obeys a teaching does not make that teaching, that doctrine, true. Notice the words of Romans chapter 2 and verse 8. Romans 2 and verse 8, Paul said, But to those who are self-seeking, watch this, and do not obey the truth, but obey unrighteousness, indignation, and wrath. What I want you to see in that verse is it is possible to obey the truth, but it's also possible to obey unrighteousness. That someone may submit themselves to something, they may do something, obey something, but what they're doing is unrighteous. 
instead of being the truth in what God has commanded. You know, I think about the parable of the sower in Matthew 13. Matthew chapter 13, you remember the sower went out to sow. And as he sowed that seed, it landed on four different kinds of ground, which represent four different kinds of hearts. How many of those four different kinds of hearts obeyed and brought fruit to perfection? Do you remember? Just one. Now, I'm not saying that only one out of four people will obey the truth, but my point is, is that the truth, the seed of God's Word was being sowed, yet nevertheless, only one out of the four kinds of hearts obeyed it and brought fruit to perfection. Not everyone is going to obey the truth. And so resting in the idea that all these people have obeyed it, so it must be true, is not a safe bed. In fact, you're wrong in thinking about things in that way. In Romans chapter 10 and verse 16, Paul speaks of this idea. Romans chapter 10 and verse 16 when he says, But they have not all obeyed the gospel. For Isaiah says, Lord, who has believed our report. Not everybody's going to obey the truth. People can't obey unrighteousness. And so we do not judge whether something is true and correct or false and wrong based on how many people obey it. Now this next point is in light of some of the things we just said. Truth also is not determined by how many people it upsets. Unfortunately, I've seen this among some brethren. They, they get the idea that because of those last few points, truth is not determined by how you makes you feel. It makes you feel good. That doesn't mean it's truth. And, and truth's not determined by how many people agree with it or how many people obey it. And so they get this idea in their head that the more people I upset, the more people I make mad at me, the truer what I'm saying must be because I'm having good results. And I, I've even... No, no joke. I've had people come up almost bragging to me. Well, I said this to them and they just stormed off in a rage when they heard that truth. As if that made it true just because they made somebody mad when they said it to them. Let me persuade you, brethren, that that doesn't determine truth just because somebody gets mad when you say it to them. In fact, let me say this, that should never be our goal in speaking to someone to upset them. Now it is true that people will get upset when they hear the truth. Sometimes. In Galatians chapter 4 and verse 16, Paul writes to the Christians and he says, Have I become your enemy? Do you remember why? He said, Because I tell you the truth. Sometimes people will become our enemy. They will get mad when we tell them the truth. And even though that was true with Paul, that was never his goal. That was never what he was seeking. Look at 1 Corinthians 9. And in 1 Corinthians 9, notice with me Paul's teaching in verses 19 and 20. 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verses 19 and 20, as he writes about his goal in teaching. He said this, For though I am free from all men, I have made myself a servant to all, that I might win the more. And to the Jew I became as a Jew, that I might win the Jews. To those who are under the law, as under the law, that I might win those who are under the law. To those who are without law is without law, not being without law toward God, but under law toward Christ, that I might win those who are without law. To the weak I became as weak, that I might win the weak. I become all things to all men, that I might by all means save some. Now let me ask you, was Paul trying to drive people away 
Is Paul trying to upset people? See how many people he could have upset and angry with him? No. Paul's goal in teaching the truth was to save as many people as possible. He said, I will do everything that I can do lawfully to get people to see the truth to the very saving of their souls. In 1 Timothy chapter 2, verses 24 through 26. 1 Timothy chapter 2, verses 24 through 26 is Paul there speaks about the idea, 2 Timothy 2, rather, excuse me. Verses 24 through 26 is he speaks to the idea of a servant of the Lord and what they'll do. He said, A servant of the Lord must not quarrel, but be gentle to all, able to teach, patient, in humility, correcting those who are in opposition, if perhaps God will grant them repentance so that they may know the truth and that they may come to their senses and escape the snare of the devil, having been taken captive by him to do his will. Again, you see Paul as he speaks of the servant of the Lord. His goal wasn't to run people off, to upset people. His goal was to save people, to help people to come to their senses. He wasn't trying to upset people and thinking that if he did, that made his message truer. Instead, he was trying to save people. So just because somebody gets upset by the message preached does not mean that it's true what you're saying. Does not make it truer. And that, by the way, is not something to be worn as a badge of honor. I want you to see that while we're on this point as an aside. Whenever I talk to somebody about the truth, my goal is never to make that person upset. My goal is never to run that person off. My goal is never to just tell that person off one time about how wrong they are and how evil they are and how good and how right and how righteous I am and never have another occasion to speak to them. Now, I don't ever compromise the truth, but my goal is to save a soul that has been taken captive by the devil to do his will. My goal is to talk to somebody about the truth and speak it in love, as Paul said in Ephesians chapter 4, to help them to see where they stand before God, that they might change their life, come to their senses, that they might repent, and that they might be among the saved. That's my goal when I share the truth with someone else. And that needs to be your goal if you want to be a servant of the Lord, a true servant of the Lord in that regard. But I want you to appreciate that just because somebody gets upset about what you say, does not make it truth. So, truth is not determined by what some people think it is. Truth is not determined by man's wisdom, some respected man's thoughts or ideas. Truth is not determined by your opinion, how you feel about something. Truth is not determined by the way it makes you feel. If it makes you feel good, that doesn't mean that it is true. Truth is not determined by how many people agree with something. Truth is not determined by how many people obey something. And truth is not determined by how many people get upset when they hear something. So then, we have to ask the question, what is truth determined by? Well, I'm sure most of you know the answer. And that is that truth is determined by God's Word alone. Truth is determined by the Word of God. In John 17 and verse 17, Jesus, while in the garden, prayed to the Father, saying, Sanctify them by Thy truth. Thy Word is truth. In Psalm 33 and verse 4, the psalmist said, For the Word of the Lord is right, 
and all His work is done in truth. In Psalm 119, as David extols the Word of God, he said in verse 142, Your righteousness is an everlasting righteousness, and all your law is truth. In verse 151, he said, You are near, O Lord, and all your commandments are truth. In verse 160, he said, The entirety of your word is truth, and every one of your righteous judgments endures forever. The word of God is truth. Everything it says is right is right all the time. Everything it says is wrong is wrong all the time. And let me tell you this, since it is truth, if some respected man's thought or idea contradicts the Word of God, his idea is wrong. God's Word is truth. If the opinion or thoughts or your experiences says something to you and God's Word says something different, your thoughts and your opinions and your experiences are false and God's Word is truth. If something makes you feel good inside, all warm and fuzzy when you hear it, and God's Word says something different, Your feeling about it is false. It's false. And God's Word is truth. If all the world were to agree on something, and God's Word says something different, what they agree on is false. And what God's Word has said is truth. If multitudes of people obey something, And God's Word says something different than what they have obeyed. What they have obeyed is unrighteousness and false. And God's Word is truth. And if something is said that upsets people, and God's Word says something different, just because it upsets somebody, it's false. And God's Word is truth. Therefore, what I'm going to believe And what I need to teach, and you as well, is that which comes from the Word of God, and it alone. That's why 1 Peter chapter 4 and verse 11 says, If any man speak, let him speak as the oracles, that is, as the revelation of God, the truth of God's Word. And you're fortunate here to have a good eldership and have a wonderful preacher in Donnie, who I know, without a doubt, preaches book, chapter, and verse, but I'll tell you what, that's missing from a lot of pulpits among brethren today. Where you can go and you can sit and listen to a sermon for 45 minutes, and the preacher maybe mentions one passage at the beginning, and the rest of it is full of man's wisdom and his thoughts and his ideas and things to make you laugh and to make you feel good along the way. And in a lot of places, unfortunately, book, chapter, and verse preaching have ceased to be in existence. And when those things are not present, the truth is not present. Because that is what establishes truth. That's what we must demand from the pulpit. That's what we must look to in our lives. That's what we must believe. Book, chapter, and verse. The Word of God. That's what we must practice. And that's what we must be teaching others. For that alone determines the truth. The truth by which we will be saved. We need to know the truth. We need to know the standard of truth. And not fall prey to these false standards that surround us in the world today. You know, we noted a passage earlier in Romans chapter 2 and verse 8 
where it spoke of those who did not obey the truth. If you want to be right with God, there's but one way to do that, and that is to obey the truth. And remember what determines truth is this book. The truth for us found upon the pages of inspiration, particularly the New Testament of Jesus Christ, which governs us today. Wouldn't you obey that truth to the saving of your soul? If you're outside of the body of Jesus Christ, you need to hear the message of Jesus that He came, died, shed His blood, resurrected from the dead, and now reigns from heaven that you might be saved. Hearing that message of Jesus, you need to believe in Him with all of your heart. Then turn from your sins, your wrongs, and repentance to do those things no more, but to seek to serve the Lord as you change your mind and demonstrate it with a change of life from your sorrow over sin. You need to then make the good confession of your faith that you believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. And having done those things, you need to be buried with Christ in the waters of baptism that your sins might be washed away. Why do you need to do those things? Because I said them. Because that's what Donnie would teach? No. Because that's what the truth says in the Word of God. If you haven't done those things, you have not obeyed the truth to the saving of your soul. And we'd encourage you to do that this morning. Maybe you're here and you are a Christian, but you haven't been faithful to the Lord. The truth of your situation as an erring child of God is that you are lost in your current state. But you can change that. If you acknowledge your sin, turn from it in repentance, confess it to God in prayer. And He said if you'll do that. He'll forgive and remember it against you. No more. Acts 8, 22, 1 John chapter 1 and verse 9. Wouldn't you obey the truth to be forgiven of your sin and restored unto the Lord as an erring child of His? If you're not a Christian, won't you become one this morning? If you are one, you wonder from the way. Won't you come back? Obey the truth. Do what you know you need to do. Do it right now. Come forward in obedience while we stand and while we sing.